Todd Munkin called his first game for the Baltimore Ravens in the week one preseason victory against the Philadelphia Eagles. And although it was just preseason, we break down what we saw from Munkin's play, calling all that and more on today's episode of Locked on Ravens. You are Locked on Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in here to another edition of Locked on Ravens, where your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. I'm your host here, Kevin Allstriker of Ravens Wire here on the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in today, making us your first listen every day on Locked on Ravens, free, free and available as always, all podcasting platforms, including over in video form on YouTube, where again, we have the new video setup going, we got the fish in the background, and the very first guest that we have here today of the new setup that the palm tree is gone, the fish are in, it's Jake Luke of Exit 52. Jake, I'm excited to have you back on. The Ravens pick up their illustrious 24th straight preseason win. Are you one of the are you one of the guys who just wants streak to be over, or do you want it to keep going for as long as it can? Yeah, I kind of go back and forth. I probably am ready for it to be over because I feel like it, it may be uh... – I think it was maybe like Dan Hansis or somebody was joking about this on some podcast the other day. It's like, it's kind of what their franchise is known for right now. So, you know, not to, not to like throw too much shade on the Ravens with their postseason record, but I kind of prefer that, you know, they maybe be known for something else at this point. It's been cool, but they got it out of the way. They're kind of just spiking the football now. And I think we can move on from it. Yeah. I think, you know, maybe this week against the commanders will be that loss, but I think it's crazy because it's not like they, play Lamar for four quarters a game or like try hard to win it at least doesn't seem like they're doing that although I will say we'll we'll get into this over the course of the show Jake it was interesting to me just to start off the fact that Josh Johnson played over Tyler Huntley and Justice Hill played over Gus Edwards in the game against Philadelphia do you have any insight as to maybe why I don't I have no idea why I was wondering if you kind of had any ideas I'm wondering if it has something to do with Huntley's health to begin with before the game because now it's coming out that he's dealing with something lower body I think it was uh, and so, yeah, maybe it has something to do with that and they just want to be careful with him. Maybe they just want to be careful with all their players. I mean, maybe they learned their lesson back in 2021 and we're not going to see Huntley at all in the preseason. That would probably surprise me a little bit, but I don't know. It's kind of like what, what more do you really need to see from Tyler Huntley? He's seen a lot of real live in game action and big time regular season games the last couple of years. So if you don't want to risk his health, I'm totally cool with that, especially if he is dealing, dealing with something right now. So that's kind of, that's sort of my read on it, but I guess we'll see throughout the, uh, the next two games here. Yeah, and it was interesting because I thought that, you know, Johnson started and I said, okay, cool. We're just not like Tyler Huntley, I guess, has the backup job secure. We're not going to see him at all, and that's fine. But then he comes in to start the second half, and I'm like, oh, okay. Like, I guess there is some type of competition or whatever there. But it's, Huntley was the best quarterback, in my opinion, out of the three. I think he did a really good job of, I guess, strengthening whatever grip he had on that backup job. But, Jake, I want to talk about what, what you saw from Todd Munkin because I think, obviously, a big talking point of the offseason has been Greg Roman out. Todd Munkin in, and I always preface the preseason play calling with they're not going to show everything. Greg Roman called it the vault. They're not going to unlock that vault in the preseason. They want to kind of keep theirs. They have, I think, play calling experience for the offense in general is fine, but you're not going to put everything you have out there over the course of the preseason. But did you see anything encouraging from what we could see from Todd Munkin over the course of the game on Saturday? Yeah, I mean, with preseason, it's tough to really glean a ton of schematic stuff, though I did like 
a little bit of the horizontal misdirection stuff that we saw. It felt like we saw some orbit motions uh, from some of the running backs. It looks like there was good horizontal involvement of the wide receivers, some of which have some really good jitterbug ability, like a Zay Flowers, who we saw tucks the ball and juke a guy out of his shoes. And then he was obviously getting in the mix in the run game, throwing himself at, you know around a little bit. He had some vertical routes. He got the uh, defensive holding call, I think, down in the end zone. Uses his arms a lot, man. So that's really exciting to see a guy who's just really fully engaged, and it looks like he's going to be ready to go from day one. So yeah, tough to really glean a ton schematically, but I mean they move the ball well in certain areas, and I don't know. I just uh, was overall pretty encouraged. One of the things that I saw, or at least I've been encouraged by, both from what we've been hearing and what we saw, was the spacing aspect of things. Where under Greg Roman, you know, we saw a lot of guys on one side of the field. Got the the meme is that the guys are running into each other on their routes. But it seemed like Todd Munkin was at least trying to get some of his playmakers into space. You mentioned some of the horizontal stuff. We saw, uh, albeit failed, screen to Isaiah Likely, but he was trying to get him out into space and moving guys along the line. You mentioned Zay Flowers with his catch where it only went for, what, like one yard, but he did juke a guy out of his shoes there. So I think to me the spacing is going to be super important because I think what Greg Roman was doing was essentially getting rid of one of the really good aspects of his offense with the juking ability of a guy like Bateman or like Duvernay and the spacing wasn't where it needed to be. So I thought it was at least encouraging to see some semblance of spacing for Todd Munkin on Saturday. Yeah. And it's tough to really get a full read with the offensive line being where it's at. Cause that's really where everything kind of starts with an offense. And I don't know. I mean, there's some intriguing talents along and I thought it was interesting that he got Daniel Falele out moving a little bit in space. I think that's maybe going to be a good role for him just kind of as a body, a guy that can uh, move around, move worlds a little bit. Uh, you know, we talked to Cole Jackson all the time and he was a big proponent of Falele in uh, Roman's sort of vision for this team. But I think he's maybe not as high on him in this Monken iteration. So maybe uh, maybe Monken is out to buck that trend and he wants to get some use out of Falele and some of these other hopefully promising young offensive linemen. I mean, they're they're not all promising. We've had some not so blowing reports about other ones, but I don't know. It was interesting to see that nice play from Falele. I think it got highlighted by uh, Brandon Thorne there on Twitter, one of your uh, your O-line gurus there. So. Yeah, it's exciting because I think you're you're set at four or five positions. Left guard is really the one where we got to figure out, is it John Simpson? Is it Salah? I, I don't think it's Ben Cleveland. We'll get to that as, as the show goes on. But I think it was also encouraging to see the way that the Ravens use their running backs out of the backfield as pass catchers. I think, Jake, in 2021, before J.K. and, and Gus got hurt, we heard John Harbaugh talk about it. We heard J.K. and Gus talk about it, too, that they were excited to kind of open up the offense a little bit more and use their running backs out of the backfield. And then, of course, the whole group goes down. They have to bring in Devonta Freeman, Le'Veon Bell, and Latavius Murray, and it just, it just wasn't the same. I think they really want to put an emphasis on the running backs out of the backfield this year and just getting them in space, getting them the ball, because the short passing game is an extension of the run game. And I think that guys like Dobbins, guys like Edwards, we saw Melvin Gordon catch a pass. Keaton Mitchell caught a pass. That was something that I noticed that I think Baltimore is going to put a huge emphasis on. And they've said as such over the course of the offseason. Yeah. And I think when you have a running quarterback, I feel like the running game uh, can be an extension of a short passing game where you move one of these running backs out into space and it's like, oh, they're going to throw it that way. But then all of a sudden it's a QB draw or we're going QB power the other way or whatever it might be a veer or something like that. So yeah, there's a lot of different iterations and permutations permutations and i don't know if we'll see be, be seeing a ton of those over the next couple of weeks in these games where you want to keep it pretty vanilla but that's uh something that i think could be worth keeping an eye on for the opening of the uh, regular season yeah and we didn't see too many like deep shots in this game i mean josh johnson averaged 3.8 yards per pass anthony brown 0.9 it was not a good day for him tyler huntley with the most on the team with eight yards per pass i think the longest catch of the day 
was a 23-yard one to Travis Vokalek. But do you think that as the preseason goes on over the course of regular season, we're going to see some of that deep passing game get opened up? Because we saw it over the course of the early part of the year last year. Yeah, I don't know that we will. I think uh, that was maybe a little bit of an extenuating circumstance last year where Demarcus Robinson comes in and he just go, he, you know, eats his uh, Michael Jordan secret sauce uh, <laughs> and just absolutely goes, goes to town on some DoorDash drivers uh, in that game against the, uh, the commanders, I think. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't know if we're, we're going to be seeing a guy get signed off the street and then, you know, have to go for a warm up and do something like that. I feel like that could be something that uh, would happen if that were the case, but I don't see a signing like that happening with this receiving core pretty set as it is. So I don't know, uh, maybe for the sake of confidence for some of these young guys. I mean, Talon Wallace getting a touchdown, Duvernay also getting a touchdown. I mean, some of these guys, it, it could be good confidence building for them. So maybe we will. Is there anything else you maybe want to see from Todd Munkin over the course of the preseason, or do you really just want to kind of keep keep the good stuff under wraps and then see it in the regular season? Yeah, no, definitely the latter. I mean, it would be cool and fun to see more of it in the preseason and get kind of a preview, but I don't know, man. I'm kind of this way even in real life, just with, like, movies or video games. Like, I, I'm, I'm kind of like, I don't watch a ton of trailers anymore. I don't get, like, super into, like, oh, man, what is this going to be like? I kind of just like to go into the experience fresh. And so I think for both my own interest purposes, which are not important, and then for purposes of keeping things close to the vest, which is very important for the Ravens, I would prefer them to keep it close to the vest. I mean, we saw this with, you know, speaking of the commanders, we saw this 10 years ago with an RG3 offense that did not look good in the preseason and people had their concerns and they go out there in New Orleans and they just firebomb the Saints in week one and they uh, they show themselves or they show the league uh, what they have to offer. So hopefully we'll see some of that in week one against the Texans. You know, I'm awful at movie trailers. I, I, I see a lot of movies once they actually come out on, you know, DVD and whatever, and they're available for streaming. And I always click the fan-made ones. I never click the official ones. And the fan-made ones have spoilers in them. Yeah. And I watch the movie, and I'm like, wait, I already knew this happened. Was this the entire plot point? The official ones obviously don't show it. But you don't want to spoil everything before you actually see the official product. Well, that's, but the movie I mean, that's not what I'm alluding to. The official ones basically have the whole movie in them now some of the time. So that's kind of why I like to avoid them. Just going they're, they're like some are five minutes long. And you're like, I'm watching part of the movie. There was one Disney movie. Wasn't there controversy? A Disney movie had like a 25-minute trailer, did a yeah. whole opening, and it essentially tanked their box score. So yeah, or you could uh, or you could just follow Shady McCoy on Twitter, who uh, tweeted out a, <laughs> uh, a very infamously tweeted out a spoiler for I think it was Avengers Endgame uh, relating to the fate of one uh, character played by Robert Downey Jr. But we don't yeah, have to get into that. Yeah, no, we, we will not spoil that here. But yes, I, I luckily I'd seen it before Shady McCoy decided to uh, I think spoil a lot of people's dreams, but by, by revealing that. But I think for Todd Monk, and he he showed enough. Like I, I was encouraged by what I saw. And he doesn't have to show a ton more, but it'll be exciting if he does. But again, I hope he doesn't show everything right off the bat there. But we have a lot to talk about in the second part of the show. Coming up, we dive into more preseason notes from Baltimore's 20-19 win over the Eagles. So be sure to stay tuned. A lot to get to still on Locked on Ravens. But first, this episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. And our partners eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked on Fantasy Football host Vinny Iyer to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week all season long. Whether you're prepping for a draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week we're going to be providing the players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. So draft prep underway for the upcoming season. Let's see who Vinny's picked out for us on this week's eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. And if you're looking for a safe quarterback to take as a starter late after you wait on that position, you can ride with the Vikings' Kirk Cousins, one of the most consistent, healthiest, and most reliable passing producers. Cousins has great weapons in year two of a pass-happier offense under Kevin O'Connell from Justin Jefferson. to rookie Jordan Addison to once again drive a team that is well-loaded first at the other positions. 
And with eBay guaranteed fit and over 122 million parts and accessories for your vehicle ready to fingertips, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. And of course, when the hour from Locked Up Fantasy Football is going to help you win your fantasy championship at eBay Motors knows how a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. That's the same with your vehicle. eBay Motors has air filters, brakes, batteries, taillights, alternators, shock struts, you name it. eBay Motors has it and it'll make sure it's the right fit for your car because eBay guaranteed fit helps you understand exactly what part you need for your vehicle the first time. So go for it, switch gears, crank the AC and say goodbye to sweating if your ride needs a little fixing up because now you know you'll always be set up for success from the get-go with eBay gears and fit everything your vehicle is calling for so to click away for the parts and accessories to fit your vehicle just look for the green check get the right parts the right fit and the right price at ebaymotors.com let's ride eBay guarantee it only available to us customers also items only exclusions apply we are back our second segment of locked on ravens kevin allstriker still here with jake luke of exit 52 and jake over the course of the game i know there were a lot of players that i think made cases for roster spots others not necessarily so much I think the talk of town, though, is the running back position in terms of what Justice Hill did. But I think the guy who stole the show was Keaton Mitchell, who the box score, you see six for 11, 1.8 yards per carry. You're like, okay, what about it? But we all know what happened. The 35-yard touchdown jukes two guys out of their shoes on one move. He looked electric. He was returning kicks out there. And I know there's a lot of conversation about whether Baltimore is going to keep three or keep four running backs, whether it's going to be Melvin Gordon or Keaton Mitchell. But what did you see out of the position there on Saturday? Yeah, maybe I'm a buzzkill and I'm definitely a Justice Hill stand, but I don't know. I just feel like Keaton Mitchell is a nice story. It wouldn't surprise me if he were to make this group and it wouldn't surprise me if they were to go with four. But I do feel like Justice Hill is definitely going to be in the mix. I think they want him to be that third guy. And I mean, uh, he he's probably earned it with his play. On the field when he's been healthy, I know that's been a concern, but there was there were stretches last year when he was the Ravens' best running back, and he was kind of keeping their running game alive with some of his hard running and his creativity, and I think we saw some of that last night. And then, yeah, when it comes down to Mitchell and Gordon, it, yeah, to your point, we saw a ton of Mitchell, and maybe he is going to be that fourth guy if they opt to keep one. I, I We didn't see much out of Melvin Gordon, and I don't know. That's just been a signing that's never really felt like much more than a camp body to me, and maybe it could even be something where – they're just trying to do a favor for his agent or something like that at this point. I, I have no idea, but I, I'm not expecting much out of Melvin Gordon as, as far as making this roster. Yeah, I'm with you. I, th- I think Justice Hill is pretty by far and away the number three. I think he showed a lot to me last year, and it, w- it was a tough couple of years to enter the league for Justice Hill. I think he struggled a little bit, and sometimes it takes a couple of years for guys to kind of get their footing, had a couple of injuries. He, he actually, you know, a lot of people talk about J.K. and Gus as the two guys that got injured. Justice Hill also had a season-ending injury before the year started. So he came back last year. I, I didn't have him on my 53-man roster. He made it and looked shifty, looked, looked like his college self, essentially, which I thought was encouraging. And Again, he led the Ravens in yards on Saturday. Three carries for 48 yards. Had He ripped off that 37-yarder. So to me, it comes down to, I think that J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, and Justice Hill are your locks. I think those three guys make it. The Ravens rewarded Justice Hill with an extension. Plus, he plays special teams well. In Baltimore, as we know, love special teams. But to me, it's the it's the Melvin Gordon versus Keaton Mitchell conversation. Would you like, like, if you had a, if you had the call, Jake, would you keep four running backs right now, knowing the Ravens roster situation, or is that just too much of a luxury right now? Cause you need a position or a guy at, at another position elsewhere. Yeah. Whenever you get into this crunch, it, it's really tough because it's like, you really got to calculate what else you need elsewhere. But I mean, I would probably prefer that depth elsewhere, but it does get interesting when you look at the health situation. I mean, you're talking about two starting running backs, this two headed monster that is very good when they're able to stay healthy but have not been able to stay healthy largely over the last couple of years with JK and Gus. And then Justice Hill, to your point, he's had his injury issues as well. So it wouldn't shock me if they were to go for, uh, I would probably go for depth elsewhere because I feel like you can kind of just, you know, at a certain point, like I'm not one of these, you know, 
dogmatic running backs don't matter guys, but I do feel like there's an element to a point where you can just plug a running back in and they'll figure it out, especially with the talent of this offensive line and the pressure that Lamar Jackson is going to take off of the running back in the offense uh, naturally, not to mention what Todd Monken's going to be able to do in the passing game. So yeah, I, I would probably stick with three if I were them, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. And I think to, to that point, which I agree with, Essentially, what it could be is we can look at J.K. Dobbins, for example. The Ravens are a better team when J.K. Dobbins is on the field. But I think, as we saw on Saturday, they have quality guys outside of Dobbins that might not be as good as him, but they could get the job done. Now, the ceiling is higher with Dobbins. Dobbins is, I think, a better player. But I think when you're talking about depth at other positions, maybe you need to keep another corner because the situation there is a little bit iffy. Maybe you want to keep another outside linebacker or defensive lineman that's where the crunch comes in. And then you can also, Jake, talk about the quarterback position where we saw Tyler Huntley again, I think kind of strengthen his grip on the number two job. Josh Johnson, eight of 12 for 45 yards in that touchdown. It's funny that the Josh Johnson and Tyler Huntley touchdowns were essentially the same play at, at different points of the end zone, right on opposite ends. But then Anthony Brown comes in three of eight for seven yards. At this point, we haven't heard enough about Anthony Brown in camp. The preseason performance was not, not impressive. We still have two more games to go. But to me, I think Josh Johnson is pretty firmly the third quarterback but that's the other question, Jake. If, if you had the call, would you keep three quarterbacks? The Ravens were a pretty big proponent of that three quarterback rule that came up. But at the same time, I don't know. Well, I don't know if you were paying attention to my Twitter page today, but I happened to put a little hype video out for a certain quarterback who was. Wearing you did. I wanted to ask you about that next. I was going to lead into it, but let, let's let's do it now. There's a certain quarterback that Jake put out. Uh, he he was brave enough, honestly. It, it took immense bravery to do this, Jake. But I want to give you the floor and talk about that because one Carson Wentz came up in Ravens circle conversation today, courtesy of Mr. Jake Luke over here. So I'll preface this by saying it's 100% satirical and anyone who knows that I've made those videos before, it's a joke. And then it's always very entertaining when people come across it and they don't realize that I'm joking. Uh, but it's an interesting question. I mean, he's out there and he's a veteran and maybe it wouldn't necessarily be him, but We've seen a lot of Tyler Huntley. I know he made a Pro Bowl and all that. I I just kind of feel like there's maybe a little bit of a lack of an upside with him. It's tough, but he can win games for you in a pink, so you got to give him his respect. But his contract is going to be up soon, and, I mean, maybe he's going to want to go somewhere else at some point. So, I don't know. I If I were them, I would be looking around. I would be monitoring the market. I wouldn't do Wentz, like, a, <laughs> you know, no matter the fact that I spent 10 minutes or whatever making that video today as a, you know, as a joke, which really shows you uh, – where I'm at in my life right now. Uh, it just kind of, it feels like a dark cloud is following that guy around a little bit. And I, I almost sort of feel bad for him at this point when Jim Irsay is, you know, bad mouthing him on his way out of town and he can't catch on with the team. It's tough. It's a tough scene right now for us in the, uh, the, the Wentz mafia, but yeah, I, I would not do that, but I don't know, man, I would be monitoring the, the backup quarterback at least in the next couple of years, if not this coming year, because like I said, it wouldn't shock me if somebody wanted to take a chance on Tyler Huntley, I think Josh Johnson is not going to be in the league much longer. I don't think he's been around for 15 years or whatever, had a very good career as a, a career backup. Uh, and he's, you know, got some screaming and stuff that he's got to do probably when he's done with his career. So he's going to go on and do that. And then uh, you'll, you'll be in the market because Lamar is signed now long-term and it's about finding what the best long-term uh, backup quarterback option for him would be. And I think a, a solid veteran would be good, but who's it going to be? Not sure yet. Probably yeah. Not. I have no idea what the Ravens quarterback position outside of Lamar is going to look like in the next couple of years, because we've had conversations, you know, a lot of people about whether the Ravens should trade Tyler Huntley is what is his ceiling. We know the deep ball accuracy for Tyler Huntley has not been there over the course of his career. And we, we know the stats, Lamar obviously is Lamar. He's, he's going to get you the points, but there just seems to be, it's like a, it's a mid floor, low ceiling, I'd say for Tyler Huntley. 
where I think he's a solid guy. You said he can win you games. He's shown that ability. The starting experience is great. But if Lamar has to miss time again, and hopefully he doesn't, hopefully he stays healthy, would people feel confident in Tyler Huntley going out there and leading the Ravens to the playoffs for a season, leading the Ravens to multiple playoff wins? I think that's the question. So it's interesting because I think with Baltimore, they have so many other questions elsewhere. But for right now, I don't know. It feels like Huntley will probably have it for this year. But then next year, I think there's a real conversation to be had at that point. It feels like a different era for it, too. I mean, that Greg Roman offense, I felt like he had to retrofit like your your backup quarterback decision around the fact that you had a Greg Roman offense. It feels like you're probably still going to want some mobility with the Todd Monken offense, just like you ideally would with just about any offense, because it feels like that's where the league is going these days. So, yeah, maybe somebody with mobility, somebody that can uh, move around a little bit and uh, ideally put the ball on the money uh, in open space would be very good. I mean, you're when you're talking about a backup quarterback, there's obviously some limited upside, but they have a certain profile, but maybe they're not going to have to work as tightly within those parameters because you're not talking about running all this QB power and whatever they were with Greg Roman and the heavy sets and getting the quarterback as involved in the run game. Maybe they can afford to uh, to widen their scope a little bit. So it'll be interesting to uh, to monitor that, I think. Yeah, and, you know, maybe Huntley just says, you know, I've, I've had the starting experience. I want a chance to go out there and compete for a starting job, whereas we all know with Lamar being in Baltimore now for the long term, it's Lamar's team. Tyler Huntley's not going to have a chance to start in Baltimore unless something happens to Lamar, and, and that's obviously the worst-case scenario. So maybe Huntley just says, I need to go somewhere for the betterment of my career to go out there and perform and get a starting job, and I wouldn't blame him one bit if he were to do that. So that position is pretty interesting to monitor. I totally agree with you there, Jake. But with all the guys that impressed, you know, you could talk about Sean Ryan, Travis Bokalek. I thought Malik Harrison had a really good game. There were a couple of guys that I think lowered their stock a little bit. We've talked about that throughout the show so far this week. I wanted to get your thoughts. A couple of guys, I t- mentioned Anthony Brown. I think that uh, James Prochet is, is someone that definitely lowered his stock. Ben Cleveland didn't have a wonderful game. There were a couple undrafted defensive backs. Who, who do you think kind of hurt their roster chances the most when looking at Saturday's game? Yeah, I mean, Cleveland, is he kind of has been a disappointment since the opening of camp and then obviously didn't help himself. It's just tough. Really tough situation for a, a guy who was a third-round pick not that long ago and just has not been able to put it all together. I think really between the ears is kind of the uh, – it seems to be the problem, which is unfortunate. I'm sure he's not a bad kid, but, he, you know, you, just, you, you want guys with all the physical ability like that to be able to put it together, and he's hasn't been able to get there. So, yeah, certainly very disappointing there. Um, and then outside of that, I mean, not nothing too egregious. I mean, do you have any names in mind that you want me to riff on? I mean, I think Prochet is probably the one people are talking about the most. Yeah, I mean, like you say that, but it just, to me, it feels like, and sorry to cut you off, it just kind of feels like, talk about having like a dark cloud following them around. Like, basically like, uh, what is it, like Eeyore, you know, he's got the the storm clouds following him around all the time. It feels like he's just in a a perpetual tough scene there with James Prochet. I mean, nothing has been able to go right for the guy, and it sucks because he's a hard worker. He was really good at SMU, and, uh, you know, it just felt like he was never going to be like a, top of the line starting wide receiver but it felt like if he could you know maybe figure some things out a little bit and maybe I don't even know what he would have done to acquire the juice needed to uh, make it in the league as far as keeping up with uh, the speed and the physicality Uh, maybe he would have been able to carve out a role as like a Kamar Aiken kind of that solid rotational guy Uh, but it just certainly has not been there and um, I mean everything we've been hearing out of camp you know, it's once again, it's James Rocher having great practices and working hard and doing all the right things. But it just feels like when he gets into game situations, it's just something isn't clicking. So maybe a fresh start would be good for all parties. Yeah. And it's I think it's really weird to kind of think about the career arc of Crochet to a lesser extent, Tyler, Tylen Wallace a little bit where I don't think like early on, 
I don't think Prochet had much of an opportunity because he was playing behind some guys and he was a rookie and, and that was that. But then I think the big year for everybody was last year and saying, well, they didn't bring in any any veterans. It's essentially Bateman is your one and Duvernay is your two with Demarcus Robinson in there. What can Prochet do? And it just for some reason, it didn't work out. I, I think that maybe as a – like at this point, I think Tyler Wallace probably has the best shot at the six wide receiver job because – at special teams, we, we know the Ravens love it, and he had a solid game on Saturday. But I, I just don't know. I can't quite put my finger on where, where – I don't want to say it all went wrong for James Perrochet because I don't think he's, like, done anything super, super negative. But I just think – like, and the expectations for him being a sixth-round pick, they've been pretty high, all things considered. Which and- is hilarious. I mean, and that's totally not his fault. That's like this fan base and, uh, frankly, this franchise's inability to satiate this fan base when it comes to this position. People's expectations totally out of whack when it comes to mid to late round picks. And, yeah, it's just it's at that point where, yeah, he was a former six round pick and it doesn't work out. And I don't know, that shouldn't be too surprising. And then you've got Tylen Wallace, who was a fourth round pick a year later, so a little bit younger little bit more uh, leverage as far as that, uh, you know, or latitude as far as that contract uh, option goes. So, you know, to me, yeah, I think you're on the money. I think they stick with Wallace for that sixth spot. Yeah, I just I, I feel like part of those expectations were always had such a great training camp. I mean, less than a year ago, Jake, he mossed that commander's defender like that was last year. And everyone was like, oh, this is it. He's this is the year. And then nothing happened. I'm, I'm probably going to put it well, the one year that I'm probably going to put it on Twitter and everyone is to be like, what happened? What happened? But it's those types of things where he, he's he's the training camp warrior. We've seen, you know, we heard it with Miles Boykin all those years ago. It, not that long ago. But my guy, my guy, Jeremy Butler, one of the one of the that, one, him. Oh, there are so many. There are so many of these like wide receivers that come on in training camp and then nothing ends up happening with them. And then there's the Jordan Lazes of the world who kicks the ball in the pond. And that's a little bit of a different story. But I, I you know, I have nothing against James Perrochet. Again, seems like a super hard worker, as you said, a really nice guy. But on the field for the Ravens, I, I just feel like. This is the year where he probably gets let go. And maybe he's a practice squad guy, but maybe he goes somewhere else and tries to carve out a new role for himself over there. But kind of in the final part of the show, I'll be diving in to a joint practice preview for the Ravens. Their commander's practice is coming up today and tomorrow. We'll talk about what to expect and more. Stay tuned here. Still a lot to get to on Lockdown Ravens. We are back rounding out Lockdown Ravens. Kevin Allstriker still here with Jake Luke talking Ravens. And now we're going to talk joint practices. It, it, I think joint practices are important, Jake, because the starters, especially what happened to the Ravens in 2021 with J.K. Dobbins, they're not going to put their guys out there in harm's way during a preseason game. Now, injuries can still happen in joint practices, but this is the opportunity for the starters to go out there and get reps against guys that are not their own teammates. And I think that's a big thing for everyone because people just get tired of hitting their own teammates after a couple of weeks. And they say, I'm going to go out there and hit somebody else. So they get, they get the commanders for a couple of days. Sam Howell, the, uh, the golden child there in Washington, you got Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, that wide receiver group. I think a solid test I'd say for the Ravens over these next two days. Yeah, and I think more than, or maybe not more than, but maybe as important uh, as these young defensive backs getting reps against those good wide receivers that you mentioned, uh, it's also heretofore going to give an opportunity for this coaching staff in this front office to get a look at those guys versus top caliber receiving talent and say, you know, they make a move for a DeAndre Houston Carson today. That's very nice. He's a little bit more of a special teamer. They had William Jackson, a former commander, in the building for a visit recently as far as defensive back goes. They had already brought in uh, Arthur Mollett. Uh, are they going to continue to make moves? And I think maybe this could be a good uh, measuring stick for them because iron sharpens iron. And uh, 
these guys, especially Terry, are as good as anybody in the league. So that's an interesting matchup to watch. And that's the thing. I actually wanted to get to this with you. I th- we'll do it now because I think for corner, it's been the position that so many people have wondered, what are they going to do? Who are they going to add? They trade out Marcus Peters for Rocky Yassin essentially, but then don't really make another move. They're, they're trusting guys like Jalen Remmer Davis. We, we hear Pepe Williams is having the surgery. We'll be back right around October or so, hopefully. But then it's Caillou Kelly. It's, it's Daryl Worley. You, you mentioned the Ravens signed DeAndre Houston Carson, who was, you mentioned, a, more of a special teams ace, but can play corner. But it's interesting because I think when you talk about these joint practices, this might be the turning point for the Ravens when it comes to what direction they want to go. And I think they want to give the young guys an opportunity to maybe over the course of training camp in the preseason, go out there and show what they have. And then if they don't feel like it's enough, if they feel like they need more, I'm sure there'll be maybe one or two guys that get cut from a team that the Ravens feel like could be needle movers. I mean, the Ravens have an embarrassment of riches at certain positions. Other teams have embarrassment of riches at corner. So maybe they have to cut a guy and the Ravens say, that guy can be plugged in and be the third corner on this team. So I think maybe it's just a timing thing where this, like these two days, could be the turning point for what direction the Ravens decide to go in. But I don't know. How, how do you feel about it? Yeah, no. I mean, team building is a, a living, breathing thing, which I think a lot of people on Twitter tend to forget. You know, you take a team in a training camp and, you know, they harp and they harp on concerns. And I, I totally get it. That's part of being a fan. I do the same thing, certainly. Uh, but it's just one of those things you got to be patient with as a fan because you don't know what they're doing in that building as far as conversation surrounding roster churn. This is something that goes on all the way up until you're done playing. You got to keep churning out the end of that roster for depth guys getting injured, things of that nature. You've got up until week eight to acquire an all-pro type player with the trade deadline. So it's just one of those things where it's just going to be an active, longer process than I think people expect. And it is these measuring stick type moments that tell you, okay, we need this, we need that. And so for a preseason type period, maybe it's a joint practice against a team with solid receivers uh, and maybe a, a tough couple practices or a tough couple plays to say, okay, we need to make a move for a depth piece. And maybe you get a couple weeks into the season and you're still struggling. You say, okay, we need to make a trade for a depth piece. And then maybe you get to the regular season and you're rolling really well. Okay. We need to like trade for an all pro corner because we have a ceiling. We need to capitalize on here. It's just a, uh, a living breathing process. Like I said, so it's something that we're going to see play out in real time. And we're, we always do see play out, play out in real time. So yeah, something to keep an eye on. And I mean, John Harbaugh himself said that cornerback depth is a concern. And that was before the Pepe Williams injury. It was before they had signed Houston Carson, but I don't, think that's going to preclude them from making moves moving forward so i think when talking about what eric DaCosta has done in his track record going out there in addressing needs whether it is right before the year or during the year i mean we've seen eric DaCosta turn around he's a big guy at the trade deadline he'll he'll make the moves we've seen it but in 2019 when that team started they 2-0 and then they go to 2-2 and and they gave i don't know if you remember jake they gave up 500 yards in each of those games like yeah. each, they, a thousand total yards and everyone's thinking this cannot continue. And they go out, they sign LJ four, they sign Josh Bynes, they cut Tim Williams. And a couple weeks later, they go and get Marcus Peters. And that was the turning point for the Ravens. And then what they did last year was they went out there and got, got Roquan Smith, the second greatest round, second round pick in NFL history. It was, was yeah, Roquan Smith. Guy, yeah. And uh, still, I, I will love, and they should make another trade like that this year so that they can put out that exact same tweet at the yeah. draft next year. I, I would love it. But that's that's Eric Acosta's strategy. That's what he does. I, I think he likes to give the guys, you know, it's like the, the Orioles, you know, we like our guys. You know, that was the trademark for a while. I think the Ravens also like their guys and they just want to give him a shot. Now, does that mean that they have to neglect every position? 
to make sure their guys get a shot? No, like they should still go. And they have, they've gone out there and they've made moves. But I think to me, while adding a veteran corner would be awesome, I just don't see anybody out there right now that's a needle mover to the point where it would take away from a young guy. And that's one of the big questions is, is it worth signing a guy that's going to take away playing time if he's going to be the exact same player or maybe worse than that young guy? Yeah, I think, and I think I like our guys has been sort of, you know, it's very cutesy and we all love Buck Showalter, obviously. And I think it's been a little bit maybe hijacked by both sides of this fan base, some of whom are maybe a little too positive, others of whom I think are maybe a little too negative. And I think on that negative side, they kind of take it as, all right, well, this is really what it is. It's just a moniker for complacency and maybe being a little cheap at times. And I think really there's an unspoken element to it where it's like, we like our guys up to a point. Sometimes you got to make a move. It is still a business. It's just like with Bill Belichick. He says the unspoken element of do your job is do your job well. Like you, you gotta, you gotta perform at, after a certain point, you know, it's great to have good teammates. It's great to have good culture, but you also have to recognize when moves need to be made. And to be fair to them, I think they've shown the propensity to pull the trigger. I mean, they've done it almost every single year at the trade deadline to go and make a big move for somebody. And they've even made to your point in season moves, like a Josh Bynes and like an LJ Fourth that have worked out pretty well for them. So it's all about just being measured, being smart, don't overreact. And uh, just, you know, when you feel the time is right, just trust your gut and make the move. Now, I always say with Tim Williams, what ended up happening with him was I think what they did was they gave both him and Tyus Bowser because Tyus Bowser had to figure it out. He, he wasn't a stud right away. Him and Tim Williams both struggled early on in their careers. And I think what they said was, we're going to give both these guys a shot. And if it really doesn't work out, we're going to have to do something about it. Tyus Bowser, 2019 was kind of his cup. He it was his coming on year a little bit. It wasn't his true breakout year, but Tim Williams, you know, he, the assignments were wrong. He was over rushing. It was just everything that we saw from him wasn't going well. So the Ravens decided they had to move on. And I'm sure the Ravens, maybe if they had a different opportunity, they could have given him a longer leash, but it just wasn't in the cards. And that's the thing that you you're just not privy to as a fan. You don't really know when a guy doesn't have his head on straight. And it seems like that was the issue with Tim Williams. And then, you know, Tyus Bowser, like, I've met the guy. He seems a very well-adjusted young dude, good hard worker. Everyone speaks glowingly about him behind the scenes. So, you know, as much as we talk about the culture and, you know, Harbaugh's heroes and all that kind of stuff and they value character too much, I mean, it is important uh, to a certain point because, you know, you can get off to a wrong start in your career and you could maybe, uh, you know, have some tough times, but it's the guys like Tyus Bowser who are going to be able to battle through that and develop into a real player as opposed to a Tim Williams who maybe isn't as self-motivated and maybe needs a little bit of extra help. And sometimes even that's not enough. And uh, they've just got to figure something else out with their life. So, Yeah, and we know the Ravens are a very loyal organization. Sometimes maybe a little too loyal in certain aspects. But I think that a lot of people would rather have a loyal franchise for the most part than not a loyal franchise. Players, coaches, te- team, personnel. I think that's something that a lot of people value throughout the league. But Jake, one last thing. The, going back to the joint practices, what do you kind of want to see? whether it's players that you want to see or hear step up or just overall what you want to see out of the couple of days. Yeah, it's definitely uh, that, that cornerback room is like we've been alluding to. It's getting thin. I want to see that matchup with the Terry McLaurin's with this John Dotson's is, you know, looking very good. Uh, I think that's an exciting matchup. I'm interested in this, this run defense a little bit. It felt like they kind of got gashed a little bit by the Eagles, which is understandable, understandable. Uh, you know, even for their backups, they're a very strong running team. So I I'm curious, what we see out of that group and obviously like Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen weren't on the field. So is Josh Ross going to be able to, uh, you know, buckle the chin straps up a a little bit against this Washington running game? Are they maybe, you know, speaking of making moves, are they going to maybe move in a little bit harder on a Jadavian Clowney or on uh, Kyle Van Noy, uh, two guys who they've been talking to to maybe shore things up a little bit, uh, you know, 
we'll, we'll, we'll certainly see. So those are kind of the two things I'm looking at. Yeah, I'm excited for it. I think how the starters is again, I think this is the opportunity we're going to have to see the starters in some sort of action. They're not going to get in in the preseason. I would be very shocked if they didn't. John Harbaugh's already alluded to the fact that we're not going to see some guys. So for Lamar, for Mark Andrews, these are their practice reps before the season actually starts. So getting those guys up to speed and just seeing how they go up against the Washington defense. It does have some playmakers on it. And I know a vi- one rumored Chase Young who was on that defense. So maybe this oh. is his, his audition tape. for the Talking about a guy, I mean, I feel like I've seen that ESPN trade package repurposed and recycled by a million different Twitter oh, accounts. Geez. Third and the fifth round pick. That's all it's going to take. So if he looks good, Eric Tacosta, send that offer over and you're, you know, you're getting it accepted immediately, you know, yeah. according to ESPN and everyone that re- regurgitated that, you know, God bless them. They're just, they're doing their thing. They're getting their likes and clicks and that's great. But, uh, you know, if I see it one more time and it doesn't happen and I feel like it did happen because I got duped by social media, which is totally my fault. Then, you know, maybe I'll, uh, I'll spin off the, uh, spin off the face of the planet. But yeah, I think, I think we've seen about 10 different iterations of a, of a chase young, you know, Patrick queen swap. I think, I think the Patrick queen swap was the first one. That was the big one. Yeah. That was the first one to kick it off. Yeah. It's like slowly gotten lower and lower in compensation where I'm like, Hey, each of these deals sounds great, but let's actually have it happen instead of keep like, I don't even, I don't even know how substantial the reports even are. I think it's just like trade scenarios people are putting out there. I think, uh, yeah, I think it was a, uh, a certain Pittsburgh area guy who put it out there and then it kind of got reported as fact because USA today said that, you know, there was interest, but there wasn't actually interest. It was just like, Hey, here's a, a scenario. So, yeah. And I, it's funny because he would actually fit very well for what the Ravens need, but until, until it happens or until there's like an actual, Hey, there is pure interest here and this is real. I, I'm I'm pumping the brakes on it for now, but hey, it, it'd be pretty cool if it happened. It might be a we have Chase Young at home type thing, and it's Jadavian Clown <laughs> in the cover there. Who has been linked to the Ravens. I remember my second ever episode of this show, Jake, was Jadavian Clowney to the Ravens, and it was four years ago, and we're still, yeah. here we are in 2023 talking about it now before the year starts. So yeah. full circle moments. I know Spencer says all the time how the Ravens are interested in a guy, and they always seem to come back to that guy. So maybe, it, it maybe might it might take two or three years, but they'll they'll get him. <laughs> they'll, they'll get their guy. As we yeah. talked about, DeAndre Hopkins, twenty twenty six Raven is what it's going to be. He'll he'll, he'll be, get here one day. That would be horrifying and all too predictable. Yeah, it, it would be. But Jake, I appreciate you hopping on. It is a great conversation. Thank you so much for for taking the time. Please tell people where they can find you and what you're working on. Yeah, Exit Fifty Two Podcast. You can find us on all social or all podcast platforms, excuse me, including YouTube with uh, video episodes. You can get us on social media at Exit Fifty Two Podcast. I am at Jake Luke L O U Q U E. As far as what we're working on, uh, I actually just recently wrapped up a little special project that I did called Season in Between. It was a four episode kind of you know documentary mini series thing about the two thousand six Baltimore Ravens. So if you're into that kind of sports history type stuff, it's pretty substantial, fun. Uh, piece of uh, audio content. I think it was pretty well researched, interviewed some good people, and uh, I thought I did a pretty nice job with it. So if you're looking for some uh, long form content for your commute back from uh, the beach or to the beach or to work or from work, there's, there's a whole lot of audio there for you to dig into. So that's on there. Then also just started up a new uh, Raven specific vertical for XM52. We kind of do everything, but me and Spencer uh, recently started up a, a new kind of deep dive sort of segment that we're going to do calling it the jumbo set. Uh, it's just me and him kind of chopping things up, getting really deep on the Ravens, uh, you know, and just kind of doing all sorts of fun stuff. So it's going to be fun uh, doing that with him. And that's kind of our, our newest little venture that we got going here. 
Yeah, Jake put a lot of work into that 2006 documentary, so be sure to check that out. The series and it's gotten plenty of positive reviews. I know Jake you did a great job on that. So uh, Ravens fans appreciate you for putting in that work. And fun fact, I was actually at that 2006 Colts playoff game, which uh, mm. was, was a disaster. Yeah, <laughs> for everyone field goals only. If Justin Tucker was there, maybe they win it. But uh, no, Stover Stover was great in his own right. But the links to Jake's work will be in the description below. But Jake, I appreciate you again. Thank you for tuning in to Locked On Ravens today. Coming up tomorrow, more Ravens content. So be sure to stay tuned. I'll see you right back here tomorrow on Locked On Ravens.